0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream. As today we look at the affairs of the ummah. And all of today's news, or most of today's news, it's going to be surrounding England. All right. England has two issues that... Our affairs of the Ummah. We're going to read about Leicester. Okay. Leicester, disorder, fear lingers among cities, Muslims, and Hindus. Of course, it's actually pronounced Leicester. So, what's going on here? Uh, Because this is newsworthy and it is concerning the Ummah. So, this article is from the BBC. And it says people are not coming out of their homes, they're scared. Remember we talked about this a week ago or two. Maybe two weeks ago. And it was just like one gang, a little minor skirmish or whatever. Apparently since then it's grown. So we're going to see what's going on here. Because the Prophet wasallam said, whoever is not concerned with the affairs of the Ummah is not one of us. Jay Patel was running a busy dinner service at his vegetarian restaurant in Leicester. On Saturday night, the dining room was packed with about 80 customers. Couples, families, even a local politician. Suddenly, a huge crowd of young men marched past. It's estimated there were hundreds of men walking, wearing masks, and dressed head to toe in black. Some of them were armed. People were running on the side of the street of both sides of the street banging on doors so we closed all the curtains locked the door and shut all the lights even with 80 customers inside ever since then customers stopped coming okay the dining room was empty which is very unusual we've been open for four years all right and the restaurant would normally be busy at all hours of the day People are canceling their tables. They said we don't want to come there because this is the site of marches. People are usually coming in groups of three and four, but now there are no people coming at all. Okay. The weekend's unrest in Leicester was the culmination of several weeks of growing tension between the Hindus and the Muslims in the city of Leicester. It reportedly began after a cricket match okay, between India and Pakistan. At the end of August, I guess that was like the flare. And of course, there's all the BJP stuff is behind all that. But the cricket match was the flare. And Indi- the India-Pakistan cricket match, they're always politically charged. Okay? And one thing that everyone I speak to in Leicester agrees on is that none of this is really about cricket. That just inflamed the matter. Right? The tensions are always about what's happening in India. And the BJPs, um, not only, they have, their, their priests themselves are really uh, lighten, lighting up the hearts of people. Okay, so the Muslims are, um, in India, are always on the receiving end of that. And a lot of these Rams and religious people, they're, they have their own extremism. Okay, I mean, I'm sure not all the in- Hindus are like this but they do have an extremist branch. And, of course, there are some cities where this party and these types of rhetoric spreads more than in other cities, like Bombay, for example. I have my barber's from Bombay, and he's like, um, no, it's like more metropolitan, and none of this nonsense goes on. So a total of 47 people have been arrested, uh, 20 in one weekend, and some people have been sentenced for possession of a weapon. Now the fight spilled online as well, and claims of attacks on people because of their religion have gone viral, meaning that footage of people who got beaten up spread around. But many are unverified, and in one case, it was confirmed to, uh, that people reported such a beating that actually never happened. That's what they're saying. How do you prove that something never happens? Uh, I guess there are ways, if the so- so purported victims in the said attack came and said no I was not victimized then you can know for sure that it didn't happen on Wednesday officers urged people not to share unverified claims on social media to scare everybody and uh, rouse more emotion Lester's government heard one man uh, sentenced for carrying a knife had been influenced by social media so he went around carrying a knife and apparently that's a crime well I guess uh, having an unbrandished knife is a crime in many places. I mean, having a knife in your pocket, at least in the state of New Jersey, you get six inches. Six inches, anyone could have a knife in your pocket, not in your hand walking around with it. And then anything beyond six inches is no longer considered a knife. It's considered, um, you, you need a license for it, okay? Anything beyond six inches. Six inches is pretty long. I'm like, that's like a blade this big. Who needs a blade to walk around with a blade this big? But if you want one for protection, you can have one. Okay. Maliki Click says, "Like I said on Twitter, they will stand. They will label us, whether you lay down or stand up. So stay standing up. Put these Hindu Hindutva on their backs. So, what so Maliki Click would do. End this thing right away. Don't talk in this nonsense." Footage shared by both Hindus and Muslims on social media, allegedly taken during the unrest, always shows groups from both sides. As masked men banging on people's windows. Nobody knows which side they're on. Honestly, if you're just someone who likes chaos, then this is your place. Because nobody knows who's, on, who's doing what. Who's masked. All right. And they take footage of people going to Hindu majority areas and pulling down the religious decorations. And then going to the Muslim populated streets and chanting uh, Hindu nationalist chants. Far right Hindu nationalists. Chants such as Jai Shri Ram. I think that means long live Ram, the idol. One video posted online shows a man climbing on the roof of a Hindu temple. You know, they're telling us not to, not to look at, not to post this stuff and how dangerous. They got me curious. I want to see all these videos now. All right. Because this guy, he climbs the roof of a Hindu temple on Belgrave Road and he starts pulling down the flags and everything, all their signage. In another video shared by the temple itself on his Facebook page, a group of men sat, set one of the temple flags on fire. Well, lucky they only set the flag on fire. They could have set the whole building on fire. But here's the thing Um, you're telling, just as like, I think BBC's telling people, don't post these things. Posting these things is causing more inflammation of the problem. And then they're going and giving me these juicy descriptions. I want to watch them now, right? Okay, so these videos are supposedly uh, filmed during the unrest on Saturday night. And even after a few days of calm, there's a fearful atmosphere in the area. I'll tell you what the people of Leicester are lucky, that generally I think people are employed. If this was one of the countries like uh, on the eastern side of the world, these youth would still have nothing to do on Monday morning and continue on Monday morning. But I think most people go to school and are employed. So these things are always going to calm down. They might inflame on a weekend. They're going to calm down eventually because people have other things to do. Fall is coming around and the football season is coming around and people are going to get busy. That's, my, that's the usual. Of course, anything could happen, but that is the usual. All right, what else is going on? When I visit the temple, now a woman says, the door is locked. Can't go worship my idols. A woman opens it for me. But when I introduce myself, I am told they're not speaking to the press, and I'm quickly ushered out. Okay, apparently this is the journalist saying that, not uh, a worshiper. The charred flag hangs off the temple's fence. Of course, they're leaving it there to, I guess, uh, you know, make a statement to show what happened to them. Kusher Chawan, who has owned Milan's, which is a shop opposite of the temple, for 45 years, said he'd never seen anything like this in Leicester. It was so intimidating, he says. This is the first time we've had something like this, any kind of racial riots in this city. Okay. Hindu festivals are usually a busy time for Mr. Chuan and for other businesses on the Golden Mile, it's called. But he worries that the unrest will stop people from coming to the area. The nine day festival of Navaratri begins next Monday, and then Diwali is on the 24th of October. Well, that's going to be quite the scene, all right? I hope that the communities now begin to understand and stamp it down, because if this continues, business will be disrupted. But more than business, people are scared to come to Leicester, or people coming to Leicester in the first place. (laughs) It's not like it's Disneyland is over there or something. What will people be coming to Leicester for? only team coming to Leicester are the visiting soccer teams. And Leicester will lose its charm. What charm are you talking about? Maybe relative to India, it has some charm. But uh, does Leicester have charm that we don't know about? No offense to the people of Leicester, but trust me, there's no charm there. I think I passed by Leicester one time. Driving, I think it's on the way to Birmingham. It has always attracted a lot of people from the outside think so. Conflict between parts of Hindu and Muslim communities is common in India, where there are long-standing tensions. I mean, on one hand, they're telling us that um, things were fine. Now they're telling us that there are long-standing tensions. But I guess he's right that in history, there are long-standing tensions, of course, between any two neighbors except for America and Canada. Recent years have seen a particular increase in factional unrest and hate crimes against religious minorities. And there have been fears, aren't they both religious minorities in England? There have been fears among minority communities and human rights groups. The problem has worsened in India. Yeah, that's correct, in India, under the BJP, which is the Bharatiya Janata Party, which is essentially the Hindu far-right party. In a report released last year, Human Rights Watch warned... That ever since the BJP start it started its rise to power in 2014, it has taken various legislative and other ac- actions that have legitimized discrimination against religious minorities. What do you mean religious minorities? There's one minority that they're against. Like they never want to say that uh, it's against Muslims, against one minority that they're fighting. Are they beating up on Sikhs? Are they beating up on uh, what's that other faith that's there? J- Jains, you know, Jains. It's another religious group that's in India, and their thing is all about onions. And I think they only eat things that are under the earth, or they're not allowed to eat something under the earth. We studied this in um, we studied it, this in uh, George Washington University, GW. All that, and I had a great professor to be honest with you. He was a Hindu priest, but he, he was a great professor, right? He was so good. I was engaged the entire time uh, in his class. He knew how to lecture. This was a guy, you walk in the class, and um, you heard that he's a priest, and you're like, oh, they just got a guy to fill in, right? Uh, all right, teach this Hindu class. He was so engaging as a professor, and he brought out, and he had a lot of respect I don't know if he was saying this just because I was there but he had a lot of respect for what he would call the ulema which is the ulama, because he would go into the history and our scholars would debate the Hindu philosophers in peace times there were peace times and they would have these long debates about things right and that was like a, ver- a type of chess intellectual chess that they would play and it was interesting so when they say uh, discrimination against religious minorities is one minority that the BJP is targeting. They're not targeting Sikhs and they're not targeting Jains. Who else is there? There are Christians there. They're not targeting any of these groups. But the BBC, I mean, maybe they don't want to, uh, in Human Rights Watch, maybe they want to just cover their backs by saying religious minorities. In February of 2020, 53 people, were killed in Delhi. Forty of them were Muslims. Following weeks of peaceful protest against a new citizenship law, demonstrators feared that would target Muslims. And in February 2002, more than a 1,000 people were killed in three days of anti-Muslim riots in the Indian state of Gujarat. One of the worst outbreaks of violence since independence. Now, some people are talking about... Um, should the Muslims there make hijrah? Well, the answer is that there are many cities in India that are peaceful. So, that's where you need to go. Simple. And this is an image here of that they're showing. What is Mr. Chua selling? He's, he has a restaurant, apparently, and he has gods for sale. You want a god? They come in plastic. They come in all sorts of... Uh, uh, you want a false a god and an idol? The elephant man is there beating a drum, and that's your God. Okay? Go worship him. Unbelievable. All right. This has raised questions about whether outside influences were involved in the violence. This guy's going to come to your aid when you need it, man. <laughs> this is what you're, like, of all the years that you have had to innovate your religion, this is what you came up with. i had hired some cartoonists out of Disney to give you something better. Yeah, and even when you do idolatry, you don't need to do it good. This has raised questions about whether outside influences were involved in the violence. According to the Leicestershire police, a significant number of those arrested in in the disorder were not from the city. On Monday, Temporary Chief Constable Rob, Rob Nixon said a group of people from other cities came to disrupt and cause harm. Of course, a lot of people who are out there uh, just, they like trouble, they're going to come to Leicester and cause trouble. We saw that happen in America when... Um, there were some uh, protests uh, in different places in Minnesota, and people came from all over the place. Well, that one kid came with, like, a shotgun, right? Drove all the way from Illinois to do, uh, uh, to, get, to be part of this. Violence between Hindus and Muslims is rare in the UK, especially in Leicester, which is known for a strong sense of cohesion. What is this all this reputation of Leicester? It has a charm, now it has cohesion, People come visit us. Are they uh, imagining this stuff? There's long solidarity between Hindus and Muslims in the UK because they're both diaspor- diasporic minority communities and they face similar problems of racism and discrimination. Well, now I guess they, they turned a corner because uh, it used to be the whites of Brit- Britain are, you know, uh, spitting on both of them. They, everyone brown to them is the same. But in these cities, I'm imagining. That the majority, the population of Hindus and Muslims Has risen so much That They've lost that they, They've been unified By having the same bully Essentially All those years in the past What unified them They have the same bully Who doesn't care whether you're a Sikh A Hindu or a Muslim And he doesn't know the difference And he doesn't want to know the difference You're just brown people From the subcontinent And They sp- spill all their racism on you Now that I think that The such, their population is much larger, and no, no, the races can't do this to them anymore. Now they can start looking at each other and competing against each other. Just my thoughts there. Now there was a joint statement delivered on the steps of Leicester's Jamia Mestrid on Tuesday. Community leaders from both faith groups stressed this point. Our two faiths have lived harmoniously in this wonderful city for half a century, and we arrived in this city together. We faced the same challenges. We fought off racist haters together. See, that's what I'm saying. They fought off the racist haters together. But the racist haters today, they don't do this anymore, right? Not that I think of. They probably hold it in their heart. But they can't, you can't face off when the numbers are increasingly getting bigger. And we made this city, a, collectively, we made this city a beacon of diversity and community cohesion. They were heartbroken, adding physical attacks on innocent individuals and unwarranted damages to properties are not part of a decent society blah 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 okay now a muslim sister says the idea of community leaders having significant influence is outdated she says this is a muslima her name is yasmin surti now so what is she saying she's from the federal federation of muslim organizations in leicester well isn't that a community organiza- leadership organization she says, community leaders, their influence is ancient. Well, that's pro- possibly true if he can't compete with the Internet. We need to have dialogue, and clearly we need to reflect on how we reach these young people who may not be in touch with the elders in the mosques and the temples. Right? And there needs to be a lot of learning ahead. Majid Freeman, a local fundraiser for Middle East causes, he said he's angry about what he regards as a lack of police action. Well, they're sitting watching back. Maybe I'm not going to say anything because it might be false. But I was thinking that in back of my mind, they're probably, you know, sitting back watching this chaos. Uh, but then again, probably the police must have a lot of Hindu and Muslims in the police force itself. So. He said that there were many questions among the community about why the police was so late to respond to the protests. However, Temporary Chief Constable Rob Nixon, Mr. Nixon, has said the police are working to keep you safe and to arrest and bring to justice those causing harm. Even at the height of the violence, there were glimpses of unity. As crowds of mass men surrounded the Shiva cigar, which is the... Um, Hindu place a Muslim community leader came to safely escort the largely Hindu clientele out of the restaurant safety oh Shiva Sagar is his restaurant okay. one of the guys from the Muslim community I don't know his name but he this is what it says but he came in and then one by one he took each family and he dropped them off he said if you want to go outside then this is my priority and the customers uh, went out with him one by one that's the BBC writing about this. Anyone here from Leicester so they can give us some juicy details? All right, Al Jazeera. Let's see what they have to say. Community leaders and local politicians in the British city of Leicester have called for an immediate end to the violence. To weeks of unrest well, why don't you just roll out the national guard to walk the streets for a few days right don't they have a military don't they have a national a national guard right so send your military out they're not doing anything anyway explain tell me what's the british military doing send them out there let them walk in the streets for a week or two everyone will crawl back into their homes am i wrong about that seems to me that that's the solution Alright. Uh Anza Jama says, I'm from Leicester. Alright, tell us what's going on. Give us your um It's not as chaotic as people claim. And yeah, they essentially I guess the news media needs some news, right? Okay. They need some news. The president of the Hindu temple, he read out a statement. Sadden and heartbroken to see the eruption of tensions. Physical attacks on individuals and unwarranted damage to property are not part of a decent society, blah, blah, blah. Shocking scenes of unacceptable incidents of violence, says a politician. All right. Dozens of people have been arrested. What's the cause of the outbreak? All right, they just said that clashes happened, started between Indians and Pakistanis after the Asia Cup, which took place in Dubai last August. After the march, a large crowd went out and some of them were waving Indian flags, okay? And then some people started chanting, Pakistan, Murdabad, Murdabad, death to Pakistan. And then started people started showing social media videos of or sharing videos on social media of attacks. And then Jai Shri Ram. Long live Ram. Which is a war cry for the Hindus. Okay. Some members they said the unrest is linked to Modi. They blame Modi for everything. Let's see what, what our correspondent from Leicester is saying. Alright, um Nothing but facts. We have a on-the-ground correspondent from Leicester. She says it's not as chaotic as people think. Harris Amin says last week they're all mourning the queen. So nothing happened. These Indians are freshy. What does that mean? And they're antagonizing people regardless of the match. Fresh meaning like they're, beha- they're behaving fresh or they're fresh immigrants. Oh, you got it right, bro. How'd you know that? Fresh off the boat. Okay, we didn't have that. We used to say fobs. Yeah, we had that fresh off the boat, fob. Yeah. yeah. They're immigrants. They're on student visas. And they're all about Indian politics. Thank you to our correspondent. We have on the ground correspondent for the Nothing But Facts live stream from Leicester. All right. Signing off, Anzi Jamma. Anza Al-Ansa Typhoon says Any good books or biographies oh, Of female Muslim scholars Okay we'll take those questions after we finish Okay So she's saying These Hindus are not from Leicester originally Okay They are from They're fobs Right All fobs All right. Um, but I did want to see the videos, to be honest with you. No offense to the people who are against violence, but they keep saying that these videos surface, but, you know, burning flag. I'm just curious to see what it looks like. But they're, they don't want anyone sharing them, but they tempt you by describing them. How does this make any sense? Here it is. Whilst it is... Right, that we condemn the desecration of Hindu symbols. You must represent all Indians and also condemn the deliberate targeting of Muslim and Indian Muslims and Sikh uh, Indian Sikhs," says the Secretary General Zara Mohammed of the Muslim Council of Britain, and she wrote this letter to the India Indian High Commission. All right, that India is really responsible for stoking the flames. Do we want more Leicester or have we finished it, basically? Chalas. We, we, we got the summary. We don't have a video to show anybody, so... All right, next news, piece of news that is out of England. Last Wednesday, I think, was the day in which the Queen died right in the middle of our... while we were doing the live stream, then the news spread that the Queen died. And the usual... Uh, stuff went around that when a muslim you know when a a person dies and some people say that uh god rest in peace and then we talk about du'a can we make du'a for someone who didn't die as a muslim and we say no because du'a is basically assuming our religion is upon them right like that they're part of our religion they didn't want our religion so why are you forcing it on them when they didn't want it but anyway let's see what the um what abc news says abc news of australia why king charles support of islam is important for muslims around the world let's just see what it says okay i uh, personally have heard a lot of positive things surrounding prince charles okay so his accession to the throne means there are many issues he'll no longer speak freely on He's already made his views towards Islam and Muslim people clear, however, in his past years as a prince. The Islamic world is the custodian of one of the greatest treasures of accumulated wisdom and spiritual knowledge available to humanity, he said as a prince in 2010, giving a speech about Islam and the environment at Oxford University. He had a fascination with Islam. Okay. attempting to learn Arabic so he could read the Qur'an, which was revealed in the book Charles at 70, Thoughts, Hopes, and Dreams. As a patron of the Oxford Center of Islamic Studies, which means he, he pays part of the salaries there, the king spoke in 1993 about building connection between Islamic, the Islamic and Western worlds. I believe wholeheartedly, he says, that links between these two worlds matter more today than ever before because the degree of misunderstanding between the Islamic and Western world remains dangerously high. The need for the two to live and work together in our increasingly interdependent world has never been greater. Okay, good. In 2020, he visited the Palestinian territories for the first time. That's massive. Massive. Because usually they're never even allowed to come near the Palestinian territories. He also publicly disagreed with the burqa ban in Europe. So what does this mean for the Muslim community that he, now that he is kink? UK Muslim leaders hope that he is a defender of faith. During a sermon earlier this month at the Cambridge Central Mosque, English Islamic scholar Abdel Hakim Murad said Charles deserves credit for his effort to encourage reconciliation. In an age when misunderstanding about the Muslim religion is widespread, we welcome the fact that the new head of state has a long record of sympathy for Islam. Having made many statements in favor of better coexistence, respect and understanding, he told ABC. Professor Abdel Hakim Murad told ABC. Now this is not ABC from America, this is ABC from Australia. It is important to, for Muslims to appreciate that the beauty of their religion is understood by significant figures in the British establishment. The reign of King Charles comes at a time when research showed Muslims were the second least like group in the UK after Irish travelers. Really? Oh, uh, gypsies. Ro- Roma- Ro- Romani and Irish gypsies, essentially. I don't know if that's politically incorrect way to say it, but that's essentially what, the, what they are. Alright. The survey by the University of Birmingham said that 26 of British people felt negatively towards Muslims. Zahra Muhammad, Secretary General of the Muslim Council of Britain, that's like Isna for us, I guess, said that the monarchy had an important role to play in challenging negative narratives by offering a message of unity and inclusion. We also hope the king will build upon his own legacy as Prince of Wales, acting upon his desire to be a defender of faith and continuing to champion the right of faith groups to practice freely in Britain. Okay, I agree with that. Moreover, as we look towards the reign of King Charles III, we hope for continued constructive engagement. I guess the these kings. What's important is, um, but just the just the symbolic statements that may sway people's minds. At least give them. It, it influences the backdrop of their perception. In Australia, there are mixed views about the monarchy. What is Australia's relationship with the monarchy? Can't remember really. Adil Salman, he is president of the Islamic Council of Victoria, said he welcomed public figures taking an interest in Muslims and Islam, and he's happy to discuss the religion with them. It's great to build and improve relationships and perceptions of the monarchy all right, around the world, but we expect that he cannot take political position because that's not his role anymore as king. Okay. Musawar Ahmed Bajwa, a member of the Muslim youth of Australia, so YM of Australia, right? Also pointed to the expectation for the new king to be neutral on political matters so he doesn't cause controversy and conflict. Even if King Charles may have voiced opinions in the past for all sorts of causes and charities, now that he's king, all his duties will be to be neutral towards everyone. Okay? So, that's it. That's the summary of the news for you today that relates to the Muslims. If there's anything else, um, I personally didn't really see it, but... That's your news, both of it surrounding England. And I think England will increasingly... Uh, continue to be like the place where Muslims in the Western Hemisphere all the news is going to come out of England because it's actually the, the um, it's actually the uh, most accepting of Muslims in all of the Western countries alright so what is going on with the hijab burning in Iran Iranian unrest Women burn headscarves at anti-hijab protest. Crowds cheered when a woman burned her hijab. Okay. Activists said a woman was among three protesters shot dead Whoa. by security forces in Urmia, Peranshar, and Kermanshah. Authorities accused protesters of killing two civilians in the Kermanshah. At least seven people are now reported to have been killed since protests against hijab laws and morality police erupted after Mahsa Amini's death. These women in Iran, says Rana Rahimpour, northern city of Sari, are dancing and burning their headscarves. Anti-regime protests have now spread to dozens of cities. So this is like the uh, Persian Spring or what? are all triggered by the death of Mahsa Amini while she died in custody of Iran's morality police. The 22-year-old Kurdish woman from the northern western Syria of Sakaz died in the hospital Friday after spending three days in a coma, which means she must have been hit in the head or something. She was with her brother in Tehran when she was arrested by the morality police who accused her of breaking the law, requiring women to cover their hair with a headscarf. And their arms and legs must be covered with loose clothing. She fell into a coma shortly after collapsing at a detention center. There were reports that police beat her head with a baton. Of course, that you don't just fall into a coma, right? They beat her head with a baton, according to one acute report. And they banged her head against the vehicle. Sometimes they throw people in a van, and they drive in the van, and then the, that van, um, like their heads bang around in the van. Her family says she was fit and healthy. Her tragic death and allegations of torture and ill treatment must be promptly and impartially and effectively investigated by an independent and competent authority. What authority is going to investigate the police, right? Unless you have a federal police, which is like our version of the FBI, right? And not a lot of these countries have that, that kind of federal police. She noted that the UN had received numerous and verified videos of violent treatment of women by the morality police. They expand their street patrols in recent months to crack down on anyone wearing a loose hijab. If you're wearing a Dabutta, don't wear it in Iran. They're going to stop you. Authorities must stop targeting, harassing, and detaining women who do not abide by hijab rules, they say in their appeal. An aide to Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei paid a visit to Ms. Amini's family on Monday and told them all institutions will take action to defend the rights that were violated. Senior MP Jalal Rashidi publicly criticized the morality police, saying the force was a mistake, as it only produced loss and damage for Iran. Following the 1979 revolution, and by the way, thank you for pointing me to this story. I, I had heard about it, but I forgot about it. Authorities in Iran imposed a mandatory dress code requiring all women to wear a headscarf and loose-fitting clothing that disguises their figure in public. Morality police, formerly known as Gashti Irshad, Guidance Patrol, are tasked, among other things, with ensuring women conform with the authority's interpretation of proper clothing. Officers have the power to stop women and assess whether they are showing too much hair, if their pants and overcoats are too short, close-fitting, or they are wearing too much makeup. There are punishments, such as being fined, being imprisoned, and being flogged. Uh personal opinion is that Dean really has to come from your heart. A personal opinion, right? Uh, a lot of force doesn't work, right? Rarely does force work, right? It's very rare that it works. There's certain, certain limits that I think that you could put down, but I really feel that religion has to come from people. I think force will work maybe... For your personal res- dependence that you're responsible for, for whom you show so much care and love at the same time to wash away the force that you may sometimes, rarely, like one out of 20 times. And then that number keeps, as kids get older, that number keeps decreasing, the use of force. Because when you're young, you have, you're, you're able to teach kids guidance and, and teach them and mold them their behavior. You have the 100% right to mold them And if you're molding them to something good Such as you're molding their, their Their time Their schedule around salah They get used to making salah Covering their bodies You can do that when they're young Then you don't have to really use force when they're older So uh, The price of, of good kids when you're, they're older Is to spend a lot of time with them when, when they're young You can't have it both ways Ignore them and then force them later on So in 2014, Iranian women began sharing photos and videos of themselves flouting the hijab laws. It has since inspired other movements, including White Wednesdays and Girls of Revolution. Uh, Girls of Revolution Street. There's a lot of uh, major secularists in Persia and Iran who they don't like any religion at all, so they're obviously the ones leading this. Ms. Nashif also expressed alarm at unnecessary use of force against thousands of people who have taken part in protests since Mahsa Amini died. Now, Hengor, a Norway-based organization that monitors human rights in predominantly Kurdish areas of Iran, what is up with Scandinavians coming to the rest of the world and telling them what to do? This is Remember, the, uh, we were reading about a Swedish organization talking about how Pakistan didn't prepare for the floods? Go back to Sweden. Here you have a Norway organization monitoring the Kurds of Iran. Are they Kurds in Norway doing this? It just it seems out of place. What are, Imagine if we set up, imagine when we go to Egypt and set up an organization that will monitor you know, um, Mexican treatment by American officials. Out of Egypt. It doesn't, but it seems like the Western world could parent the East, and it's, like, acceptable. Imagine the other way around. Imagine Egypt gives press releases that they're very worried about their interests in uh, the Gulf of Mexico, right? And they're alarmed by American policies. It's like it's always one way. Well, that's what happens when you have power. As I said a couple classes ago, that's what happens when you win the wars. You get the right to parent and to lecture the people that you have defeated. And that's essentially what's going on between the Western world and the East. So uh, they said that a 16-year-old boy and a 23, 23-year-old man were killed during the protests by open fire, uh, live ammunition, in the Western Azerbaijan province. They said that a woman was shot dead. And according to this uh, Norwegian organization, three male protesters were killed by security forces in Kurdistan, Miss Amini's home, and two other towns. Uh, Golnaz Esfandiari, unprecedented scenes in Iran, woman sits on top of utility box, cuts hair in main square in Kirman to protest the death of Mahsa Amini after her arrest by the morality police, people clapped their hands and said, death to the dictator. Cutting your hair. I mean, wouldn't you actually... Uh, ha- does, that sort of defeats the purpose, though, right? Because if you're, it's an anti-hijab, you want to have hair and show your hair. Because if you cut it, if you keep cutting it, you won't need hijab. Uh, in other words, there's no hair to, to, to show Anyway, I don't understand the logic of the haircut, but fine. Whoa. I, I don't understand the logic of the haircut. Anyway. There has been no confirmation of those deaths from authorities, but the prosecutor of the city says that two people were killed by anti-revolutionary elements. The state-run news agency has said police assi- the police assistant died of injuries that he sustained at the hands of the protesters. By the way, this is a new thing that protesters will be... In America, they're, they're trying to make protesters um, responsible for uh, what they do, too, to police, so that you can be personally sued by that officer. I thought that already could be the case, but maybe not. In Tehran, videos posted online showing women taking off their headscarves and shouting, Death to to the dictator. A chant often used in reference to the supreme, supreme leader All right. justice liberty, liberty no to mandatory hijab they say a woman who took part in a protest on Monday in Rasht the city of Rasht she sent the BBC photographs of what she said were bruises she suffered after being beaten by riot police with baton and being watered down by hoses The police kept firing tear gas. Our eyes were burning. We were running away, but they cornered me and they beat me. They were calling me a prostitute, saying I was out in the street to sell myself. Another woman who protested in the central city of Isfahan told the BBC's Ali Hamadani, While we were having our headscarves in the sky, I felt so emotional to, to be surrounded and protected by other men. It feels great to see the unity. Tehran Governor Mansouri tweeted on Tuesday that the protests were fully organized with the agenda to create unrest. Okay? okay. So that's what's going on. Anyone else, industry? In. خلاص. In that's it. That's all we need to know about what's happening in Iran. Then I, all, it's all just other stories about it. My approach to people who don't want to practice the deen who are Muslims. Don't practice it. I'm not going to. Ch- no one's going to chase after you. Don't chase after your relatives who don't want to practice the, deen.
1: Where, where the are, like Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not fully relevant. Yeah. So like, was it the Battle of Badr where the Prophet and would go around to? The, the graves of the uh, uh, kufar, and basically said, like, Did you get what you want? Yeah. Or did you get what you were looking for? Exactly. Or,
0: no, no, it was, Did you find, did you find Allah's promise to be true? Yeah. Uh, did your God. Yes, he, he said this. And basically, like, um, okay, What do you want to achieve by becoming secularists who don't wear hijab? So don't. I you use force, right? So if that's how you're going to find happiness, go find the happiness, right? And see what happens. I never chase after people who don't want to practice the deen and you don't think it's worth your time and you think it's something bad. Um, And if you have people like that in your family, don't chase after them. All right, opening up for question and answer. Uh, What are the methodology for enjoining good and forbidding wrong? Firstly, when can anybody command right and forbid wrong when what is a category called al-ma'loom min ad-deen bid-darura which is that which is known in religion by necessity is flaunted like what like a person uh, drinking alcohol you can, anybody can command and forbid wrong with their tongue when they do that when they see that and in your home with your hand alright anything that is not معلوم من الدين بالضرورة, known in religion by necessity requires you to know about the matter before speaking on it not only do you have to know about the matter you have to know about the context around the matter because a ruling may not apply in certain circumstances alright the hukum of the sharia may not be applicable if there is a dire need, for example. So that you may see someone, looks like he's doing something forbidden, but in fact there's a need for this. So what's a good example of this? Of, of the, the need to know the context, not just the ruling. So, sahib al-butlahiyya, Muhammad al-Nabigha, the author of the butlahiyya, al-Nabigha, Scholar, one of the ulama of Muretan. he moved down alright he moved down to another place called Al-Qibla and there he saw the people of the, the farmers and the people making tayammum when there's plenty of water so he went to the local scholars there and he said I see people making tayammum when there's no need to make tayammum so the scholar said, before I answer you, I want you, and before you release your fatwa about this, I want you to wait and live amongst us for one week. So just wait a week. Live with us for another week. And, and then come back and let's talk about it. So he did. And he said, there's another problem you have. And he said, you, you're mingle too much. The men and women, they're like in the same, they're, they're all over in the same place all the time, it's mingling, too much mingling. So he said, for that, I want you to wait one month. Wait one, uh, sorry, wait one year, and then come and talk to me, all right, after a year. So a month passed, or a week passed by, and he came back to the sheikh, and he said, here's my fatwa on the people making tayammum. Dry, it's a dry, symbolic, it's not even wudu, right? It's a symbolic action that allows you to pray. Now guess what his fatwa was? His fatwa was the prohibition of using water and the obligation of making tayammum in this city. Why? Because the nature of the soil there and the dirt would cake on the skin in such a way, a unique way that would force someone to use so much water to get it off their body before they make wudu. And they would use so much water that if everyone did this every single day, there would be a water shortage and they don't have a lot of water in, in the deserts and people wouldn't be able to drink. So he ended up, not only did he retract his condemnation of, of making tiammum, he actually made it binding on people. Because of the context. So it's not just that when you command right and forbid wrong, you have to know the ruling. You have to know the context. Then he said, regarding um, the uh, men and women mingling, he said, no, I retract my complaint about that. He said, because I've seen them, there's the way that they live and they work in the farms and go to the marketplace to get food for the animals. No other way is possible except that they see each other all the time and they're But I notice nobody, no man, speaks to a woman, or abuses her, right? They don't. They 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 may be around each other, but they don't. um, uh, They uh, nobody's harming anybody. Okay. So that's uh, when you forbid wrong. It can only be done by by someone learned. He can't just be learned in the text. He has to be learning in the context too. He's got to be aware of the context. A lot of times people go study, they come back to the local masjid and they start forbidding wrong. Uh, Things that they see are laxities in the community. You don't realize some of the things that, most things that people do in their life is the lesser of two evils, right? Because some fights that you pick will start such a war that will be far more damaging Than anything else. And so that's why a lot of times things are tolerated. Laxities may be tolerated for that reason, right? In certain contexts, certain circumstances. So you have to know the context as well. All right. Sophia says, What is Ihdad? Ihdad is four months and ten days of mourning by the uh, widow when her husband dies and in this time she doesn't do certain things such as anything that resembles levity or celebration the Sharia requires that or it forbids it at that time for 4 months and 10 days she doesn't do things such as attend parties have a party in her home go somewhere without a need for 4 months and 10 days Faridino, where is yesterday night's Madiki Fiqh recording? Only the previous recordings are there. Um, Rai will take a look at, uh, for that. Uh, we should have them up. Okay, uh, They should be up. Our goal is to put it up within 24 hours. Um, so Fiqh, he's looking right now. Up, Ashma, click, yeah. Ashmawiyah, go to curriculum, and it's not up, no, it's not up yet, it's not up yet. Uh, Let me see if we have the recording. Hmm. Here's a question, 1 plus 1 equals 2, is that mutawatir or Ahad? no it's not Mutawatir or Ahad Mutawatir and Ahad are for transmitted knowledge yeah it's it's for transmitted knowledge Uh, math is not a transmitted science it's a rational science um Okay, so I'll find out about... Rai, could you ask about the uh, recording, when it'll be put up? Yep. All right, let's see what else we got here. Have Western days misunderstood or misrepresented liberalism? It depends which liberalism you're talking about. Firstly, there are different types of liberalism. And secondly, liberalism has a cultural definition, a common parlance definition for anything secular, non, not based in religion, right? Or morally open and loose. So there's a cultural term for liberalism. Then you have like classical liberalism, liberalism in economics, um, then different definitions of liberalism. But if you just, when a regular person just says liberal, what they mean is like morally loose, right? And not grounded in a religious law. What? Okay, good. It'll be up there tonight. John. All right, let's see what else we got here. Do you think that Iran will be Sunni under the Mahdi? Well, we know that the Mahdi conquers Persia according to the narrations. We have to always remember that the narrations about the Mahdi that are specific are tend not to be sahih, but there's like a lot of them that support one another. So, just in for uh, to be uh, accurate about that. Imam Ahmed says, be very cautious about the signs of the end of time because their narrations are not always the strongest and you can't promote narrations about the end of time that are too weak, because then if they don't happen, or the opposite happens, then people will just have a crisis about it. Mahmoud Zaini, is it okay to eat with the left hand? La. Or to eat fast? Or when you're not able to? If you're not able to eat with your right hand, obviously if you have a cast, then of course. But it is, no, you eat with your right hand, and you're not supposed to eat fast. The Prophet ﷺ would not prepare this one spoon of his, of his food before, um, he wouldn't prepare a spoon of his food until he swallowed the previous spoon or handful of food. All right. What is your perspective on the Iranian hijab situation? Um... My 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 approach towards Dean is that the heart of the person has to be convinced, and very rarely is um, is force of religion permit uh, uh, useful. Very rarely, but I do think there have to be there should be if I if I ruled there would be blasphemy laws. That would be the biggest thing. Like whether you practice the Dean or not, we're gonna we can send out preachers, etc. We I wouldn't even send out state state preachers. I would fund people who apply for grants and the people should do it. It's got to come from the people. And the only condition of the grant is that what you're preaching is Ahl Sunnah. That's it. Because state-sponsored, anything state-sponsored has two agendas. May may feel like the people may view it as two agendas. And the reason being is that the state may have to do some get their hands dirty. Right? And you don't want people associating the dean with that. So I would much rather the dean come from the people. We have the money. You can uh, sign up for a grant. You'll get a grant. But there are conditions to the grant. Is that what you're going to preach has to follow certain guidelines. And then let the dean come from people's movements. People's movements. Grassroots. Not top down. And the state will have will have blasphemy laws, plenty of blasphemy laws, and executioners are wanted. Lashes, wanted. Sign up. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think also like this isn't even like an opinion, more like an observation from the Yeah. Is that the rulings specific to these uh, punishments and and? Um, you know, how people should be acting. And this was more in Medina, right? After people's hearts were connected. Totally. Yeah, and I, what's Iran doing Like
0: uh, that resembles the first 10 years? Exactly. Of, uh, in the Prophet, he looked at the hearts of the people. The rules came after, and people willingly fulfilled the rules, right? They, they, they followed them. That's what you want. So the state, for example, I would have um, Masajid, the state has money, and could do these massive projects. Build massive Masajid. But, yeah, maybe the state would be involved in having some misogynist imams, but I would much rather see the energy of the people, right, who are not connected to the state. So let the state be the bad guy. Like the dad in the house, let him be the bad guy. And have to set certain boundaries and never be the, uh, have uh, the, um, you know, like if if the state has errors in it, corruptions, does things that are not good or distasteful to the people, which is going to happen for sure, you don't want that people to lump the perception of the deen with that. So you use your powers in certain ways but it really has got to come up from the people. Alright, let's see. Looking uh, What is the interpretation of looking at their Lord? Yes, there will be A vision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That is without distance or location Fresh organic healthy food costs so much more Is it israf to buy the better stuff? No it's not It's never israf to get something That is good for, for other people Like your family Or even for yourself For your own body No but to what I think uh, he refers to staring at, the, or they're talking about Sejda in the Madiky school, and looks like Madiky Click has answered it. All right, here's a question from Madiky. What is the best way to facilitate longevity in you have to. There's no shortcut to this, except you have to want it and continue to want it. There's no shortcut. There's no, like, one practice I could do that'll keep me there for a long time. No, it's, you have to want it. At every, every day you have to earn it simple as that. There's there's certain things that don't have shortcuts, right? Like learning character, learning consistency. There are no shortcuts. There are shortcuts to other things, right, in life. But certain qualities of a human being have no shortcuts. Like, is there a shortcut to developing stamina? Probably not. You just have to keep running, right? Keep hitting that treadmill. Qasim says, what is Tasawuf? Tasawuf is defined as the study of all the verses and hadiths that relate to the purification of the heart and that's what we're oh by the way we're teaching that today oh sorry that's tomorrow today is Sheikh usama's class today's Sheikh usama's class uh day he's teaching shafi'i fiqh if you want to study shafi'i fiqh and you want to study the advanced book of aqeel jauharat at-tawheed with hashiyat al-bayjuri Sign up today for arcview.org. Get ArcView and Chef Fiqh will be taught on ArcView Basic. Joharat al-Touhid, Advanced Aqidah, will be taught on ArcView Plus. Okay. Uh, again, Joharat al which is Advanced Aqidah, taught on ArcView Plus. All right. Secondly, tomorrow I is between Fiqh at six PM. And Tasawuf at 7:30. Uh, I think I said 7:30, right? Yep. 7:15. 7:15. Tasawuf. It's online. It's out of, yeah. It's an online class too. Yeah. Yeah. It's on ArcView Basic. Mahia to What is the essence of Tasawuf? So I'll be teaching that. You can sign up for RQ Basic only ten dollars a month. Uh, Yusuf says can you do a video on what and how Islamic politics work and can Muslim be secular no Muslim cannot be secular Allah is going to question you at every turn but I'm just saying certain you know theoreticals of how I would do things if I had a situation like this but clearly I think it's all just meaningless because as soon as when you get thrust in a situation you're, you're going to be you're going to inherit whatever the world has to offer you There's no such thing as it's just sort of a fun make-believe thing when we say, "Oh, if I was king, yeah." You're also you're you're inventing in your imagination. You're imagining a context that doesn't exist and will probably won't ever exist. When you're when you come in, do something in the world, you are inheriting the context, uh, you know, the context that you're uh, uh, that that you have no choice about it, right? So Erdogan comes in. Of course, he would love to do certain things, but the context that he's in, he has no choice about. So, uh, question is, when is Maliki Fit class? My day for teaching at Arcview is Tuesdays. So I I actually teach Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So Maliki Fit class is on on Tuesday. Hanafi, Monday. Maliki, Tuesday. Shafi, Wednesday. Hanbali, on Thursday. So sign up at arcview.org for all of that. Qasim says, what country are you in the USA? I guess he means what state. We are in the state of New Jersey, which is a border uh, 45 minutes away from New York City. We border New York City. Uh, New York State, I should say. With the different timings in France, can we still join the class? Yes, you can join the class, no problem. uh, Because the recordings are going to be up within 24 hours, and you can still join. So basically, when you sign up, you're given... A zoom link you get a confirmation message it has a zoom link for arcview basic and arcview plus we have two tracks and then you're given a schedule at that time just click on the zoom link the class will, will be there all right so it's a very simple system what time is the tassel of class in bst all right ryan you're gonna look for us what is bst uh british standard time is that what BST is? I British thought it was summertime. GMT, British summertime. So what is the difference between British summer times? Can you put timings in UK times, please, too, if, so if possible? We,
1: if we say 7 PM here, yeah. it's gonna be midnight in the British summertime.
0: So there's five
1: five um, hours. We're five
0: hours earlier. Okay. We're five hours earlier. Hold on a second. Let me just say this. So um, a lot of UK folks, and they want and they want um, to know the timing, so we'll start doing that, right? So we'll start putting all the timings, and the way we'll do it is we'll just put a British flag and then put the timing next to it. right? We'll put the American flag, time, British flag, time. All right, that's the way we'll do it. So, again, when we uh, put stuff out now, inshallah, what we'll do is we'll put the U.S. flag and that time, and then we'll put the British flag and the time next to it, so you'll know that that's uh, uh, BST, I guess, British summertime, and then they s- change it to GMT after that? They have different times, I guess. But they're on the same time zone, all of them, right? Yeah. Okay. We continue. Yeah. Moab says, I have sometimes, I have no choice but to pray in the meditation room and it has statues of Jesus. Is my salah acceptable? Yes, as long as you're not facing the idol or the statue. How come ulama in the West are lenient towards the LGBTQ? saying like, it's okay to feel and not act on it, does this create issues? Um, the emotion is very strong and people are afraid to spark the fire or something. So they do sometimes tiptoe around it. But it is also a fact that we have to state the facts that Allah Ta'ala does not take into account your feelings towards something because you can't always control your feelings and who knows why people feel what they do right the prophet himself sallallahu alaihi wasallam spoke about uh not being judged by what you can't control so we do have to state that fact because there are some people who may feel a certain way towards the same gender and there are tons of if not every single muslim youth feels a sexual attraction towards the opposite gender that would be sinful for him, too, if he acted upon it, right? If you're not married and you're attracted to somebody, you got to deal with that. You have to control yourself. That's your test in life. If you're attracted to the same gender, there's no, the ruling is no different. Restrain yourself. Control yourself, right? They may say that, well, the opposite gender, you can eventually get married, but if it's same gender, you can never get married. Yes, some tests have a solution, And some tests don't. The blind wants to see for his entire life. Can he see? No. He will deal with that test for his entire life. Many paralyzed people, they want to use their legs again. They can't for their entire life. You lose your parents. She's never coming back to life. Or he. So you have to understand that certain tests are permanent. So in the idea of just stating that, there's no harm in that. That's not being soft towards it. There, there, it's, that's not considered softness in my opinion. Softness is basically, you, it has to refer to something that is sinful to say. Or a truth that you don't say. Prophet said that we'll be with whom we love. Does this does that does that mean a woman will be with the man she loves, even if he was not her husband? With whom he loves in this respect means who you followed in matters of the Deen. You will be resurrected with your imam. Okay. You will be resurrected with your religious leader that's that's the meaning Uh, who whose teaching dictated your behavior and your decision making that's the meaning of you'll be with whom you love and no if she loved a man and it wasn't her husband, is it possible yes from the aspect that if a woman goes to the hellfire and a man goes to heaven another man goes to the hellfire and a woman goes to heaven and her husband goes to par, her wife goes to paradise. So that that woman, she doesn't have a spouse in paradise. So yes, her spouse in paradise may be different from her spouse in the dunya. If he didn't go to paradise, so th- that's possible. This hadith specific, to the context, is that general? Which one? This hadith where the person says,
1: "Oh, I don't, I can't I sin or I have problems in the Someone said, "Do you believe in? Is that God? If I believe in you and Allah." Yes. Yes. It's
0: specific. Specific to that person. Yeah it's, it's but that hadith was specific to that person because the prophet had accepted essentially his testimony was sincere that he loved the Allah and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam lot of chit chat here between people, that that was a th- This is a new thing, by the way, that people are talking to each other rather than every th- comment here being a question. How do we have motivation to wake up each day and look forward to the future when we don't see any certainty of desirable things happening and we feel like giving up? It's about belief, optimism. Is a result of belief, and belief is a result of cleaning your heart. So clean your heart and worship Allah much. Belief is a result of much ibadah. Do a lot of ibadah, okay? Do a lot of ibadah, and belief will enter your heart. Once you have belief, you can have optimism, okay? Don't try to do things by your power, things will get done by Allah's power. And every day, you should have your goals in front of you. I'm telling you, focus is a wonderful thing. Focus on your purposes and your goals. Yeah. And they should be by Allah's power, not by my power. What text is being taught in Tasawuf? Habib Omar's book, The Essence of Tasawuf and the Signs of Its People or the Description of Its People. What is going on in the comment section between Batman, Superman? What is happening here? Alright. Oh, Batman is a person. That's why they're talking to him. Okay. The, the,
1: like, you say
0: this, what do you say? Hanbali aqeed is false. La. Astaghfirullah is not false. It is a valid and sound aqeed. I don't ever say athari. I say hanbali. Just say hanbali. Why? So that... You have a chain of transmission And you have some authoritative books That's what I want Athar is maybe It's just a description of evidences Right But The Hanbali Aqeedah Is the correct ver- expression Name If you ask me Now the Haq Knight says the, heart, the Haq Knight Not the Dark Knight Says How do we interpret the stories Where one says Allah spoke to them And quotes What they specifically heard Spoken or said uh, tajalli, you can say Tajalli transmitted by an angel, and then you only believe it if you believe the person. That's the ruling on karamat and tajalliyat and bisharat. They're only to be believed if you believe that specific person, and of course if they don't contradict the Sharia. Sheikh Akram Nedwi takes a different view on talfiq. No, I don't go that route. Talfiq is not to be practiced. Because in that case you are putting the conclusion first, and then choosing a conclusion that you want. We only choose go from you know that go to different opinions like that when they have no other choice. (inaudible) (inaudible) mixing the methods. Let's go here to Instagram and see what people are saying. Can we celebrate the maulid if the method of, if what you do inside of it or in it is valid? Right? But if what happens in it is not, then that's a problem. How do you deal with ikhtilat? If you're in a situation where gazing at the opposite gender is almost like impossible to avoid. Uh, then you can get yourself out of that situation as much as possible. Otherwise, you look down. You look away from the person, okay? And you stay away for a distance enough that um, you wouldn't be tempted or if some places are really jammed and you could even be touching each other and that's a problem. And ikhtilat is something that where um, there is some urf involved in it Of what is the boundaries? As we just said, a nabigha went to al-qibla, an area in al-maghrib, and he was shocked at all the men and women walking in the same place, the same, and then the scholars there saying nothing about it. And he said that uh, after a year, he realized this is just how they live. Maybe the way that their homes are set up or whatever uh, disallows any other way. And the elder scholars there said, yes, they may be near to each other, but nobody touches anyone nor looks at them inappropriately or harms them. I wake up for tahajjud and wake up for class at the same time. Is this acceptable 100%? You're doing ihya'ul layl at that point, giving life to the night by doing many different ibadat. Mubeen says, if parents get divorced, how does this affect walidain how can we draw a balance between being obedient to one, uh, uh, obedient and live one's own life, so, if sometimes those two contradict? When you grow and you are on your own as a man, and you work and you're on your own, at that point your parents, they don't give you orders anymore. They shouldn't. Your bitter towards them is not about obeying their orders, because you've moved on financially and you take care of yourself now. Your birr towards them is to make them happy, to help them, etc. For a woman, it's when she marries. Then her father stops giving her orders. But her birr to her father is to make him happy, to help him, etc. Also, financially, that's an obligation. That's why you can never give zakat to your parents. The Quran says, protect your private parts except from your wives and those whom your right hand possess. What is the latter referring to? Slaves. Back in the time of slavery. Prisoners of war, slaves that were considered slaves, like from other uh, places. What is the permissibility of having an emir in an American community? What are the requirements for an emir to be valid? You can have an amir, but that amir will be very limited because there will be an authority above the amir. So, for example, um, y- you can willfully agree to have a leader. But what you agree to could be something that the leader can actually do, be limited to that. Why? Because let's say the local authority, the police, is above the Amir. Right? So the Amir cannot do certain things that the police would otherwise do. right? So the Amir's role, his leadership will be limited. And I would say that maybe you could say that uh, the relationship between a CEO and an employee the CEO is in charge. He calls the shots. And that contract between you and him may be very extensive. He may say that, listen, at any time I call you, you need to pick up the phone. Some jobs are like that. Some, like, medical jobs, IT jobs. Anytime I call you, yeah, there are certain emergencies in technology. Things need to be solved. And you can be on call as it is. So, in the, within the bounds of your limitations, the limitations set that by the fact that the Emir is also a citizen, okay? And he's under the local authority. So within those bounds, if both sides agree, then you have an Emir and a, and he won't be called a subject, but it's an emir and whatever relationship. follower, leader and follower relationship. If you join a football team for 10 months a year, your coach is your dictator, right? <laughs> your, your coach is your dictator. So um, so question about slaves. Back in the day, what, so, so what is slavery? Essentially, they didn't have prisons in the old days. And the slave, the, the prison, the slave is a prisoner, essentially, after a war. And they didn't have mega prisons, so what they did is they divvied it up amongst the soldiers. So we got now 800 enemy soldiers here. And if their women and children came out with them, then we got 800 men and 500 women. Uh, we have two options. Execute them all or put them in jail. There is no massive, one big massive jail. In the old days, what they used to do is divvy up the jail... So everyone's home becomes a jail, essentially. That's what slavery really was. What is the difference between a prisoner and a slave? There's no difference. You control their behavior. You control their body, essentially. So, um, but in the old days, you divvy it up amongst the soldiers. All right, you take one. Your home becomes that prisoner's jail. And you can benefit from them. You work for us. You go out work and come back. I got to feed you, I got to house you, right? And if it was a female, now I have a female in my house. So the laws of hijab don't apply between, between that. So she doesn't have to wear, so between her slave master and her, there are some exceptions, such as if she was married. You could have a slave she's married. So therefore there's a limitation there between the um, warden. Essentially every a soldier becomes a warden. Right? Uh, and his home is a makeshift jail and then it expands every citizen so you basically have taken these mega jails that we have now and you just basically private, made it private okay and if you didn't want to take care of a slave anymore you could sell them right I don't want to be a makeshift warden of a jail anymore right I don't want my home to be a, a jail anymore all right so I want to get rid of this you sell them. And so, um, but why? Because I, that other person can now benefit from that slave. So, and between male and female, then the rules of hijab are off. So that's the whole concept of, like, how slavery came about, or well, not came about, but how slavery was inherited by by the Islamic world. But slavery was the tech methodology of taking care of war prisoners not taken care of, dealing with war prisoners, taking advantage of war prisoners. These weren't your friends and your buddies. They were trying to kill you, right? So um, that's basically how it started up. I have an ayah hanging up in my room, says Triple H, who has now a new beard, which is good. Does the hookum of not facing my feet towards it apply? Yes, it does. So be very careful where you put your... uh, be careful where it was, where you put your uh, feet, okay. where you put your posters too. So if you have Quran on all f- sides of the room, it's, you have to leave a couple walls where you can put your feet. So Farhad says, why was it permissible to see each other's private parts? More than that was permissible. They could sleep with each other. Why? Because the slave and the master, now she, he's got a slave living in his, a prisoner essentially living in his, his home. He's made his home essentially part of the prison. Okay. And he's a warden now. So the rules have changed, dropped. And they may sleep with each other. Apparently Jonathan Brown had a lecture on this with Yasir Qadi at the Epic Mosque. That explains a lot. But the summary of it is that essentially the, the rules were... or the, the, the logic behind it was that you didn't have jails everyone became a warden and you divvied up all these soldiers and all these prisoners who were just 30 minutes ago trying to kill you all right and now you uh, have divvied them up because you can't let them go they wanted to kill you now you hear stories about slaves yes because they were sold across borders right it was like a legal status now and they were sold across borders. So, Slave comes from the word Slavic. So the first slaves, it, where it came about in the English language, were the Slavic people. And I just was talking to a brother who said that, yeah, his forefathers ended up in certain parts of Europe because of raids between tribes. Tribes would raid each other, or they would have wars. right? And the I came to put laws on this stuff. Like, when could you take a slave and when you couldn't? It wasn't a free-for-all as it was in the old world. So, I mean, it's like human trafficking today. But the Sharia came and put limits on this stuff. So, it used to be basically people were always attacking each other. And then you took slaves. When the Prophet wasallam says, Anyone with an Adam's worth of faith will eventually be freed from hell, does that include believers from previous ummas? Of course. Meaning that the followers of Adam, for Adam's time. The followers of Idris, for Idris's time. The followers of Nuh, until the next Prophet came. The followers of Musa, of Sayyidina Ibrahim. Right? And then the followers of Sayyidina Musa, so on and so forth. What if your ex loves you and wants you as a husband in the next life? What a scary thought. <laughs> oh my goodness. Any resources to learn more about the fitrah? Mm, good question. Uh, we'll have to look that up. Can we give isal al-Thawab to little children? I'm assuming Bushra is talking about little children who died. And yes, you can. Why not? They don't need it in the sense that they don't go to the hellfire anyway. But, a like a kid the no, no, you can't do that. But anything that a kid does, they will get hasanat for it as a nafilah. Is it possible for awliya to see Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the wake? Yes, and that came in hadith. Uh, came in hadith. من في المنام فسيراني في اليقظة a uh, reminder to everyone: If you like this live stream, and you benefit from it, nothing is free. Ryan's time, my time, this mic, this air condition, these lights, all cost money. This floor that we're sitting on, New Jersey is going to tax us for it. All right? This house that we're living in, New Brunswick Township is very happy to take taxes from it. The acquisition cost. Who supports this? You do. By going to patreon.com backslash Safina Society is how the people will support this live stream. We basically put ourselves in a situation where we either bring something that the people benefit from, they will support us from their own heart. Patreon.com backslash Safina Society, and I'm thankful to all of our patrons. And all of our patrons have recently gotten um, the link to our Umrah. Yep. Now you say, oh, you're giving it to some and not others. There's only 40 seats. We can't just promote it everywhere. First, to the locals. It's targeting high schoolers because we want the high schoolers to go to Umrah. So we sent it to them first. The patrons who've supported, right, they've made a sacrifice to support us. So they are to be treated accordingly. So we had the message go out to them too, and they could sign up for this omrah too. So there are only 40 seats though. So, uh, no, it's just me. Me and Sammy Karavik, right? But no other like Dawah speakers, no. Do you recommend deleting Twitter if you aren't somebody who has something to offer? Or you can get hasanats by putting out good quotes and beneficial knowledge and inspirational quotes. Then it's pointless. What is the ruling on saying a statement which taken literally is kufr, although some might argue it has a valid figurative meaning? I got to hear the statement. Hajra Mahmood, following following up, optimism and expectation are resulting in disappointment. That's Hajra. That is because that is because one of two things either your actual faith in this in the matter needs to be strengthened or that you're maybe lacking in heart and persistence and I don't say that as an insult this stuff is developed over time that one okay, be disappointed cry for three days then you pick yourself up and do it again disappointment is not that big of a deal. Of course, it's a painful thing, but let yourself be down for a few days. It doesn't pass three days. Pick yourself up and try again, right? And when you do that a couple times and you succeed, you realize, wow, uh, willpower is, will overcome everything eventually, right? Because if you, if you get what you want all the time, this is the problem with what parents do to kids, he doesn't know what disappointment means. So one small bit of disappointment is shattered, right? But disappointment, all right, dust yourself off and go again. That's why love, loving something is one of the best lessons in life. You love it so much that you can't stop. You won't stop. You get disappointed, you pick yourself up, you try again, try again. Try. And it works. You're as wow, I failed 10 times before I got this. So next time you go and you fail five times, it's not a big deal. It doesn't affect you as much. It's like, that's okay. Failed five times. get in the sixth time. I'm telling you, some people I've seen them fail at something for 40 years. What amount of drive must have they had to try something for 40 years until they finally got what they were looking for? They must have picked themselves up and failed and picked themselves up hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. So disappointment's bad. But have heart. Have persistence. Have some sandpaper in your personality. Thicken up your skin. Get up again and try it again. Right? And that's the whole concept of character and willpower. Allah gave us this gift of what we call Al-Himma. What is Himma? It's human willpower. Right? It's ambition. It's desire. This is Himma. And you should have a strong Himma. Not a Himma that falls and collapses quickly, right? You want to collapse? You can collapse for a day, for an evening. Collapse, fall asleep, sleep six, seven hours, you wake up fresh. You start over again, okay? And you, you got to read about people's lives. There are people who tried things hundreds upon thousands of failures before they got their, their success, Right. so you got to read about those to realize that you're not alone in this everyone's doing this and quitting it's not the attribute you want for yourself but dying while trying at least is right so those are that's my two cents for hajra the umrah is december 23rd to january 1st we leave from jfk airport in new york city and you will have to transport yourself to New York City. That's probably a hassle for if you're from the East Coast, you got to come to JFK. If you're anywhere from America, you got to come to JFK. If you're from England, they could actually sell you the land package, and you get yourself there. So that is an option, too. So you, you, you get the land package, and you get yourself there. What's the question, Sam?
1: Uh, what's the wisdom behind... Al-Aziz being mentioned twice at the end
0: of Surah al We'll have to look in the tafsir about that. That's a good question. Why do traditionalists force themselves to say PBUH? Doesn't it allude to a doubt that God's treatment of him in the afterlife? Okay, good question. We don't force ourselves. We... It is an honor to make, send salah and salam on the Prophet. And we are the re- re- recipients of that. So, the back story is this. The companions used to feel downtrodden, sad, what have you. They would go to the Prophet wasallam, and the presence of the Prophet and the light of the Messenger wasallam which as if it emits from his heart to their heart and they would be lit, lit up, revived. And the Prophet saw this in his companions and the Prophet ﷺ began thinking of, what about the Muslims after me? They won't have this. I won't be able to sit with them. I won't be able to help them. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala saw the sadness of the Prophet Sallallahu and gave him a gift. The gift was that after you're gone, the Muslims cannot sit with you. But they can send salutations upon you Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And they will receive a relief of all their anxieties and their griefs. Grief is for the past, anxiety for the future. Okay? So, that's why we benefit from peace be upon him. When we say peace be upon him, no, it is Allah who sends down peace on the Prophet, peace be upon him, and many other spiritual gifts. When we say that, we are taking that peace for ourselves. Right. So it, as, it is as if saying The peace that is upon the Prophet I'm taking some and putting it in my own heart And you will see the relief go away So we, we don't just say it When we say the Prophet's name We say it as a religious act of worship On its own Repeating it Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa wa sallam Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Many ways of saying the same thing And we repeat this hundreds and thousands of times And just like A guy does push-ups. Alright, just do one push-up and call it a day. It's meaningless. You have to do a lot of push-ups to get a result. Likewise, dhikrullah, Allah tells us in the Quran, it must be done a lot to get a result. So we stay a lot of it. And we feel the results. And we enjoy it. And it becomes to us like a type of food. For the heart. And a cleanser of anxieties. And a washer away of grief. And a replacement and really makes almost everything that you do in life has a, a type of charm to it. That's the best way to explain it. and any good books and biographies on Muslim scholars? There is uh, Al-Muhadithat. It's a long book on female hadith transmitters. Are there Shafi'i Imams that teach at Medina not that I know of and what does Greek logic presuppose I I don't know the summary of Greek logic I could probably look that up and study it for you and give you a summary later on inshallah should I go to Umrah or make hajj first if you can save up for hajj then make hajj first rather than spend your money on one or two umrahs and then miss out on hajj save up your money and go to hajj first isal al-thawab is sending the good deeds that you have accrued it is for someone who died as a Muslim imagine if somebody said hyperbolically that something took forever or has been since forever but he intended a long time is that kufr? no there's no, there's no insult or rejection of any doctrine or article of faith in saying that. It's
1: like how we say, like, oh, I need some water to quench my thirst. Yeah, It's metaphorical.
0: It's, meta, it's, it's, hyper, it's a hyperbole. It's metaphorical. It's like that. It's like someone who's saying, I'm starving. He's not lying. It's just hyperbolic speech. Uh, Qasim RV, what would you advise an ordinary person to read? The Opening of Hearts by Siuti or not? Yes, I would read it. Can you recite Bala wa an'ala dharika min ash-shahideen after Surah At-Teen? Well, the Prophet's Sunnah is um, to say that. But you don't say it out loud. You say it to yourself. What is the date of the Umrah trip? December 23rd to January 1. But it is, it's not public out yet. It's just been sent to the patrons and to MBIC locals, our community locals. Because... Our our real goal first is to first tranche of it is to get the youth, the high schoolers. okay, And it could be high schoolers from really from anywhere. So we gave first priority to our high schoolers. And now we're advertising it to the patrons. And soon we will put it out for everyone if the seats don't go. But we are giving the right to the locals first and then to the patrons with anybody could go. But we're just targeting and encouraging the youth that's really what we want. And uh, if they sign up, good for them. If they don't sign up, they're going to miss out. And and you guys will take the spots. And for the land package, you basically, you get the land package and the transport is on you. Let's say you want to come from England. That's how it would work. How does one build thick skin and not be sensitive? I don't think sensitivity is the issue per se, but it's what happens with the sensitivity. Right, And anything that you do multiple times, you're, you will eventually become immune to it. I mean, I remember on social media, the first time some, someone said something bad, so like a complete stranger talked about me on social media, I was like surprised, right? It was like a shock. But after a while, you just get used to it. Uh, people who put up ridiculous comments, yeah, it, I sort of now grade them, right? When someone tries to say something and like like a put-down or something, I grade it in my mind. Like, that was not so impressive. Sometimes they're really impressive. I tell them, that was a good one, right? But how else are you going to deal with it, right? You have to let it bounce off you. So when you're exposed to something over and over, that's what happens. So it's not about being sensitive. It's about, are you going to quit or not? And if you're not going to quit and you're going to try again, because think about what your options are. Quitting is miserable. So it's not necessarily that you're going to succeed next time. It's that what other options do you have? So keep going, right? Samura Noreen says, did you answer my question about Tehejid? Can you put it up again? Because I don't see it here. Oh, but what if, okay, what if you love Tehejid, but you struggle with sleep? You would have to try to wiggle it around such that maybe you have to sleep way earlier, right? Or you make to hedge it on the days that you don't have to get up early. What if we suspect an aesthetician is a woman, meaning a beauty person, like a beauty parlor or whatever? What do they call these days? They don't call them beauty parlors anymore. They call them... Aesthetician, i guess aesthetics Aesthetic, yeah. yeah like a salon right skin care a skincare professional if you suspect that they are a woman well if you're a guy and you're gonna have someone rub your skin it cannot be another woman oh it's a trans woman you're in trouble if they fully transformed and when you look at the person you're like that's a woman then you may treat them by islamic law as a woman in other words if they're going to give you a f- uh, some treatment on your hair it is permitted yes Okay. but if you say like no the voice is deep shoulders are broad first glance that's not a woman then you cannot treat them as a woman and you cannot get uh, a massage from them or whatever it is. It's kind of getting very confusing. And they're college, trying to be confusing. It's hard to tell in these
1: college classes. Like I, I borrowed a pencil from someone. Yeah. And I was like thanks man. Oh <laughs> like my God. They got, weeks. Weeks. they got upset, huh? No no they didn't say anything, but I was looking at them the other day. I'm like wait. I that's don't know if that's it I don't know. Oh my do God. It, I said thanks man.
0: So that is crazy. It's a that's a it man. is man. So how a lot of them All right, so the Turk there. Did we answer his question about the uh, atheist Turk? Does that answer his question? I don't know if it did or not, but uh, Dr. Shady, when I visit MBIC, can you have Ryan pick me up in a limo? Isn't he a celebrity by now? Because the people at MBIC know about him. You know that? Yeah, because they watch the stream too. Amin says, are there Shafi'i Imams? We answered this question. Please make dua that Allah makes a way out for me, says Batul. Keep reciting. La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu Pakistan is now thinking of passing a law that opened his door for LGBT. Many citizens are against it. In Hanafi fiqh we recite Fatiha in the 3rd and 4th rak'ah when we pray alone or as imam we don't recite it while following the imam he must be answering another person's question Random user does anyone have advice on how to have genuine love for the prophet sallallahu See love of the prophet sallallahu is not a nat- one of the natural loves it's one of the spiritual loves what is the difference a natural love is something that happens with an easy explanation so for example when you love a person who loves somebody, like a woman, that's a passionate love because man is attracted to woman. When he loves his kids or his friends, it's easy to explain that and understand that. When he loves a book because the content made him uh, enthralled. When he loves a flower or a tree, it's because it's beautiful. When he loves a piece of technology because it's useful to him. Okay, So that's these are all natural loves and a person has many many natural loves right what is a spiritual love a spiritual love is not a natural it's not had nothing to do with our bodies and our personalities it starts with a belief and that belief is that Allah has sent this messenger to us and that belief is that this messenger has shown our deeds so he knows who we are and that belief is that Allah will love us more if we follow this prophet and love him and send a lot of salat and salam upon him and keep him on our mind all the time when we live our lives and even just with our emotions so we do this by making by physically telling ourselves with our minds okay god loves this so i'm going to do it with there's no feeling in your heart but you do it because your mind says this is what allah wants us to do in due time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the love of the Prophet inside your heart. So you then become someone who loves the Prophet. So that's why we say it's a spiritual love. It is something that is not a natural th- love out in the world that you can understand or describe, but it's something that after you committed yourself and you followed it with your body and with your beliefs and with your sincerity, then Allah places that love in your heart. Salah and salam on the Prophet is a, more of a natural love, it's just rarer and harder to explain. Reason being is that, as we hold it to be, when you say this salah and salam, it is as if a special honey is placed down in your heart, relieves your anxieties, you find your issues are opening up, your mood is completely changing, and then you start to love the vikr the, the itself. right? And then you realize, wait, the dhikr itself only has this magnetic attraction of all these wonderful things because of Allah's love for the Prophet Okay, and that's your link to the Prophet So that's the basic understanding of how is it that we have this in our heart. Marek's London says, "Do you recommend any conversation to have on the first meeting with prospective uh, Prospect for marriage?" I have only dated in the days of Jahidiyyah, but I fix myself and I would say your first meeting should be really should be um, uh, general very general the first meeting should not even be about any subject right it's just it's an icebreaker right just an icebreaker and it, I don't even think it should just be the two people right it's too awkward it, it should be like maybe they're, they're other people around too right from the family or whatever so it's like a family meeting they're just having a dinner that's it maybe even other families are there and then you ice it's an icebreaker you get to see whether you like the person or not if they both find that there is a opening you're not saying yes I'll marry them or not you're just saying is are they even worth considering not to say worth considering like some people are not worth anything but no like do I even want to pursue this if the answer is yes then, the next meeting is on philosophy of life. Like, what are, your, what are beliefs? beliefs and philosophies of life? Really broad things. Like, super broad things. Not like, okay, what should we paint the house? No. Really broad things. What do you believe about life? Like, what is, where does right and wrong come from? Like, what do we do with our lives? Et cetera, et cetera. What's the purpose of life? What do we believe about Islam? About things like that. It may then spill into, now you start getting to the next layer of specifics. Like, what do I physically want? What's the, so that's what we call the vision. Then the mission. How do I going to live my life? Oh, I want to live my life in New Jersey. I want to live my life in London. I want to raise my kids this way. Okay. I want to live at this in this manner. I want to spend my time doing this. So now you went from icebreaker to vision, very broad be- beliefs and philosophies to mission, how am I going to execute that vision all Right, I want to live here I need to live next to my parents I want to travel I want to have a lot of kids, I want to have no kids I want my kids homeschooled I want my kids in Islamic school I want my kids in a public school I don't even want to have kids all of that I want to dedicate myself to my company I want to dedicate myself to the masjid these are the, now you're entering into the big blocks of life Now, if you passed by these three and you're in alignment with these three, the rest is details. You're ready to... And and now, and you like each other's personality. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in the second meeting or the third meeting. So, personality is part of that. So, personality, appearance, and vision and mission lines up. You're ready to be engaged. Engagement does not mean you're married. It means you are intending to marry each other. Now... These meetings may require two, three, four meetings, right? You, it's not just, maybe it won't be just three meetings. Uh, younger people, it's usually, I don't know about this generation, they're, they're a bit different. But in my time, people were a bit simpler. But people may need a couple more meetings and time between the meetings, let it marinate. You can't rush this thing. This is the biggest decision in your life. You pray a lot of istikhara, you meet again, etc., and you just, but these are the three things you're going to do: an icebreaker, a vision of life, and your how you execute that mission. Uh, vision, in the build big major things of how you live, and how you want to live. If these things line up, then that person is actually your your those that couple. Looks promising, then you get engaged. What is the purpose of engagement? Engagement. Is an announcement. To the public that these two people intend to get married and basically that now nobody else is going to get involved like no one else is going to propose to her and you're not going to get into talks with anyone else you intend to get married in the engagement the wisdom of it is that anything hidden comes out the things that may have been not present they come out so that's why you want to be engaged for a period of time So that nobody, you can't physically hide anything, right? You're now having like these family dinners together, whatever, and people's true colors come out, right? So you want that buffer to happen. Also, it's like a psychological buffer. This is the person I'm be living with. I mean, wake up with them someday. So you don't want that to be, uh, you know, a shock to you. All right, so that's the thing. Uh, And then after that, it's marriage after that. that's how how it is we missed something on the news al-imam is saying Adnan Sayyid released from prison how did we miss that in the news unbelievable yes Adnan Sayyid is out of prison and if you don't know about him go to his um, there is a whole podcast about him that was like fire a couple years ago such a good podcast about his case well, now he's out of jail. Chala, okay. uh, White, If you look at the person and you say, that is a woman, okay? That's a woman. Then you can do it. If you look at the person and say, I don't know what that is. Then don't do it. That's it. That's how you do it. Adnan Said was put in jail. Very sad thing, on a case that a lot of people felt, whereas uh, the evidence was sort of bogus against him. It's a big uh, story, big issue. So. Look it up. It's an interesting podcast. I'm sure he's going to be all over the place talking about his story. If someone dies on a Friday, says Aisha L, in Ramadan while praying, oh my goodness, reciting the Quran, this is a wonderful death. Yes. Would anyone doubt that that is a lot of mercy in their heart right when they do that uh, when they die like that uh, sorry a lot of mercy from Allah Ta'ala for them when they die like that okay we are going to wrap up can Malikiya recite Fatiha third and fourth Raqqa yes you can another question I have a hard time waking up for Tahajjud is Nafila after Isha Tahajjud no Nafila after Isha no Abu Bakr what he did was he prayed Witr. Before tahajjud, uh, anything you do before sleeping is called Qiyamul layl and it is a great reward, but nothing like tahajjud. If you have trouble waking up for tahajjud, you try to just sleep ridiculously early. It's impossible not to. If you sleep at 9 p.m. and tahajjud is at 4 p.m. 4 a.m., and now we're getting into the winter, it could be at 5 a.m. That's a f- oh, that's your eight hours of sleep right there. You wake 5 a.m. You're up for the day. Can you give us the link for the Adnan Sayyid podcast? What was it called? The Adnan Sayyid podcast was This American Dream. That's the title of the, uh, the company that made the podcast, or the, the, the program is called This American Dream, and Adnan Sayyid was one of the podcasts. Can you ask if a niqabi, to see her face, if you are looking to marry her? And Sophia said, yes, it was the serial podcast. I don't know if you can ask an Iqabi, I don't think so. I don't know about that. Do Ash Ali say Iman rises and decreases? Yes, it does. This is just a
1: Isn't it the Salafis try to just like berate Hanafis for saying that it doesn't? It's, yeah. just a, it's just a matter of words. Correct.
0: What what, when, the, when the Maturidis talk about Iman, if I'm, if I'm quoting them correctly, or if I understand them correctly, what they mean is that the belief itself is one. And we say that too. The, every mu'min, the basis of his belief is just uh, is, is, is that in that it's certain. There's no doubt in it. But certainty has levels of strength. And that's what we say can increase and decrease The strength of it Not the faith itself If you have doubt You're not a Muslim Like uh, maybe there's a God Maybe no Maybe No No Muslim says maybe No there is Allah And there is the messenger And there is the akhirah No discussion Now the strength of that iman Is reflected in our behavior Okay Alright We have to stop here Unfortunately Unfortunately Let us now talk about our classes Today What is up today on Arcview By the way you can join Arcview Join Arcview today You will get 40 extra classes Pre-recorded And Arcview Today is For, for uh, Sheikh Usama's day He's teaching Shafi'i Fiqh And then tomorrow And then tonight right after that Jawharat At-Tawheed This is going to be a great class Jawharat At-Tawheed One of the best books in Aqidah. Okay. One of the greatest works in Aqidah is "Joharat At-Tawheed. Okay. Okay. Here's a piece of news. This is great. This is great. Yeshiva University is a Jewish university in New York. It's a regular college, but they also have, like, uh, religious training. The New York Supreme Court, court-ordered, forcing Yeshiva University to allow a gay club. Of course, they're, they're against this, right? They're against this. What did the ortho, this Orthodox Jewish University, how did they respond to this? They went into the laws and asked, does a university, is a university required to allow clubs at all? And the answer was no. So Yeshiva University canceled all student clubs. There are no student clubs. If we're forced to recognize a gay club, and we don't want to because we don't believe in it. So we forced, we have canceled all student clubs. That's Yeshiva University for you. And put that in the in the news today for, um, you know, news of the ummah because, hey, if they can do it, right? We should be able to do it. That's the truth. Allah Ta'ala has given us a hujjah. They are a hujjah for us, uh, against us now. They are a hujah, they are a hujah uh, against us right now because if now they come to any other islamic university right or any islamic college any uh, they did it they were able to resist cancel all the clubs there that's just uh, it has halted all activities all undergraduate clubs canceled you're gonna corner us no you're not right the uh, the students say that they will delay seeking recognition if the other clubs can resume so there you go that's a hoja against us now that no now you know how to deal with the issue okay let's see what we got here hmm there's someone who hasn't prayed regularly for many years, and they now have started praying at least some salahs, and they're also making tahajjud. And I was just saying, I'm not sure you can just go ahead with nawafil uh, at when you have years of obligatory prayers that have been missed. Okay? So forgive me if I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong, you're correct. here's the answer to this the answer to this is that the different madhabs have different rulings the Hanbali school holds that all you have to do is make tawbah, why? when you weren't praying, you weren't a Muslim so therefore none of your good deeds count either that's pretty heavy the Hanafi school requires you to make up your obligatory prayers and the Sunnah Mu'akkada prayers and they have their list of the 12 rakahs throughout the day the Maliki Madhab disallows somebody to pray nawafil if you owe fara'id. So, if they want to pray tahajjud, to they will have the same result and even greater result if they pray, let's say, a day's worth of obligatory prayers in the middle of the night. Why? Because a makeup prayer is an obligation. An obligation is heavier than an afilah, it's the time of night that matters. So, they could pray a full day. Of qada, in the middle of the night. Okay. The only prayers that are sunan that they could do while owing qada are the communal ones, such as the rain prayer, the eclipse prayer, and the Eid prayer. All right, folks. Let's turn to our du'a. Today is Wednesday. And on Wednesday is a sa'at ijabah. And listen to this. This is, this is to me, so valuable. I thank Allah and I pray that we're truly able to take advantage of this. The two things that are just outside of Yom Arafah and Laylatul Qadr is to be able to make Umrah on Thursday night. The night before Friday. Even if not Umrah. Tawaf and spend the night there until Fajr. And it doesn't have to be like from Maghrib to Fajr. That's too exhausting. But late in the night, right? So you take a nice long nap on that day. You wake up. Okay, from that nap, you pray Asr, pray Maghrib, you're ready to go. You get rested, you eat your dinner, then you go down to the Masjid, and then you do either a umrah or a tawaf or what have you. Okay. And that is on Thursday night before Friday. The other thing, alhamdulillah, that is part of this package, I thank Allah and I pray that we are able to do this. Uh, and I hope and I pray to Allah Ta'ala that we're able to take advantage of it and that our prayers are answered. Is that we will be now at the real site of where this happened on Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr in Medina, inshaAllah ta'ala, in this Umrah. So we've been talking about the dua, right? And guess what that masjid is called? Masjid al-Fatih, right? Where the Prophet ﷺ received the acceptance of his dua on Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr for the conquest of the Ahzab, the confederates that are around Confederates. That. Habib Omar, when we first he heard, her, t- we told him about this we had pitched it to them that, like it's a masjid, he, ca- he said call it Masjid al-Fatih right, so we've been talking about this for over a year and a half now يوم الاربع بين الظهر Asr Saat Ijabah. okay it's a time, in, in between that time is a time where Allah answers dua and many people have experienced this And Javid ibn Abdullah is the narrator and he said he experienced it. So we'll now turn, so when we go to Umrah, we will be in Medina on Wednesday and we will go to that mosque and do the du'a there. Inshallah, have a long period of people can do their own solitary prayers there. Let's now turn to uh, our Hizb uh, al-Nasr. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن فتحنا لك فتحا مبينا ليغفر لك الله ما تقدم من ذنبك وما تأخر ويتم نعمته عليك ويهديك صراطا مستقيما وينصرك الله نصرا عزيزا وكان عند الله وجيها وجيه في الدنيا والآخرة ومن المقربين وجهت واجهي للذي فطر السماوات والأرض بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كونوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحوارينا نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمثال نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون والله الذي لا اله الا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم والله الذي لا اله الا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما عم يشركون والله الخالق البارئ المصور له الاسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والارض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيذ نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمعه بأذنين ويغصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشفتين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس وإن يحضرون عز جار وجل ثناؤه وتقدست أسماؤه ولا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نهور آدائي بك من شرورهم وتعيلهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بأعداوة من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافية محيط سبحانك يا رب معظم شأنك وعز سلطانك تحصنت بالله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسل الله والصالحين من عباد الله حصنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم اللهم أحرسني بعينك التي لا تنام وكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا أهلك وأنت اثقتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا درك ההاركين يا درك الهاركين يا درك الهاركين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل أو نهار إلا طارقا يطرق بخير إنك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذهب الباس اشفي أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاءنا يا واضي السقم ولا ألم يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجد ارفع عني كل تعب شديد واكفني من الحدي والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد وجعلني نورا من نورك وعز من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييدًا من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفين من شر كل شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا في والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهراً وباطناً وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين. جالو، <coughs> we'll have a silent dua now for a few minutes. بسل الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين.